I love this time of year. I love walking outside and seeing some green starting to shoot up from the ground. You guys, anybody got some early sprouts going on with your flowers and in your gardens? I love that. I love those moments. I love being outside in general. My wife sometimes uh, makes fun of me and my son, Cohen. When we come inside, she goes, ooh, you guys smell like outside. And I know I wear deodorant. It's not coded language, all right? She's not giving me a hint. It's got a smell to it, but I love that. I love it when things are green and they're growing and they're new. I learned in high school uh, this term, and I am not pretending to be like up on my science, okay? But I learned this term mitosis. I've never forgotten that. How many of you have heard mitosis before? All right, now, some of you are probably going to send me some angry emails about how I get this all wrong, but my understanding of mitosis is simply that cells are dividing and multiplying constantly in your body. It's how you grow. It's, it's what causes you from the moment that you are conceived until the moment that you die, it, it causes you to grow. It causes you to heal if you get a cut. It, it re- cells are constantly repairing themselves. It's amazing that this happens constantly. I kind of had a freak out moment this week where I was sitting here at my desk, and this gives you insight into how weird I am, and I'm okay with that. I was sitting at my desk, like, looking at my arms and thinking, like, oh, man, this is going on right now on my skin. (laughs) Kind of makes your skin crawl thinking about it, like cells multiplying. But that's what healthy things do. They grow. And this multiplication will continue to happen in you until the day that you die. From the time that you're born until the time that you die, you will be multiplying cells and growing. And if you're not, then you're in trouble. If you're not growing, you're dying. I think that we can learn some spiritual truths from that. Spiritually speaking, we're talking today about growing in our faith. I know that we have been spending this last month talking about Faith out of Hebrews chapter 11 in our series called By Faith. Week one, we talked about Noah. Noah, his faith was confirmed because he believed that God was who he says he was. Abraham and Sarah, they obeyed God, faith and obedience going hand in hand. With Moses, his faith was wavering. He was strong, he was weak, but ultimately it persevered. And then last week, we talked about Rahab and the gift of faith that God had granted to her. Today, we're continuing on with that series. So if you have not pulled out your notes, now's the time to do that. We're a church. We worship in spirit and in truth. Truth. We take the truth of God's word. We take it to our small groups. We talk about how it applies to our lives. And our definition that we've been using all month long, it's going to be on the screen behind me, but it's faith is the confidence that God is who he says he is and that he will do all that he said that he will do. And so we're going back to Hebrews 11. We're going to actually do verses 1, then 6, and then we're going to jump to verses 32 through 34. So let's read God's word. Uh, It'll be on the screen behind me. I know it's dark in these theaters. So now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Down to verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please him, being God, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists 
and that he rewards those who seek him. All right, verses 32 through 34. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, of Barak, of Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith they conquered kingdoms, they enforced justice, they obtained promises, they stopped the mouths of lions, they quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, and put foreign armies to flight. All of those things by faith. Today we're talking through the story of Gideon. Everybody say Gideon. Gideon. We're talking through the story of Gideon in Judges chapter 6 and 7. He's mentioned there in Hebrews 11. And the idea behind today is simple. That a healthy faith should be growing. We should be growing in our faith. We just talked about how in all of the world and everywhere that we look, when things are healthy, they're growing, and the same is true with our faith. And so today, you should really leave both encouraged and challenged by this, this sermon. That's my goal. If you only leave encouraged, then you miss the challenging part, all right? Or if you walk out of here feeling really, really just convicted and bummed, but there's no encouragement, then you, then you didn't listen. It's both. You should feel encouraged because we'll see in the story of Gideon that all you need is a small amount of faith, and God can use that. That's a starting place. God can do incredible things with just a small amount of faith. But you should be challenged because I think that when we examine our own lives, what we see all too often is that we have become stagnant. We have stopped growing in faith. We, we need a little HGH, we need a little steroid shot or something with our faith, because our world doesn't need any more cultural Christians. Can we agree with that? We need people who have a dynamic faith. We need people who have a changing faith. We need people who are growing in their faith. We have an enemy in this world. We have a, 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 a culture that is dark and it, it has no problem attacking God. We need men and women who aren't afraid to stand up for faith, who are growing in their confidence, who are growing in their convictions, who are growing in their knowledge. And we see all of these things in Gideon's life. And so today you should be both encouraged and challenged. All right, so let's get to work. Judges chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 1 as we go over the story of Gideon. So Judges 6, starting in verse 1. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. The Lord gave them into the hand of Midian for seven years. And the hand of Midian overpowered Israel. And because of Midian, the people of Israel made for themselves dens that are in the mountains and caves and, and the strongholds. So they're digging holes in the ground and, and, and in caves. For whenever the Israelites would plant crops, the Midianites, the Amalekites, the people of the east would come up against them. All right, what we see here is exactly what God promised the people of Israel when they moved into the land of Israel. He said that if you obey my covenant, I will be with you, I will protect you. 
But if you disobey my covenant, if you go and search after and seek after and serve other gods, then what I will do is I will allow the surrounding nations to come in and punish you. And so all throughout Judges, you see this cycle. You see a cycle of Israel falling away from God, worshiping other gods, God allowing these surrounding nations to come in and punish, Israel then repenting, crying out to God, and God raising up a judge or a deliverer. And this is where we find the people of Israel being really in a, in a tough situation with the Midianites. I try to put myself in their shoes. What would it be like if every single crop that I raised up, if every single time that I had an animal that I, I raised up to adulthood, someone just would come in and steal it? It'd be very frustrating. Now, some of us in here are old enough to remember when we actually got paychecks at the end of the week, right? Actually handed you an envelope. There was no direct deposit. Those were good. It kind of felt better that way. I will say that. Now imagine that every single time at the end of your work week, you, you have your paycheck, you walk out the door, and you get mugged in the parking lot. Well, that might happen once, and the next time you try to go out the back door, and you might get a little further, you might almost make it to your car, but you get mugged again. Maybe one time you make it all the way to the ATM, and yeah, you get to the ATM. Well, they got people waiting for you there too. Israel is in that same situation. They're desperate. They're digging holes in the ground. And that's where we find Gideon. He is in a hole in the ground threshing wheat. He has a perfectly good threshing floor, but instead of being on the threshing floor where he's supposed to thresh wheat, he's in a wine press. He's hiding. He's tired of getting his stuff stolen from him. He can't stand up and fight. And what happens to Gideon is we see in verse 12, God intervenes. The angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said to him, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Now, remember, this is a guy hiding in the ground. O mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, please, sir, if the Lord's with us, why then has all this happened to us? Where are all the wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us, and he's given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do I not send you? So they have quite the exchange here, Gideon and the angel. And what we see here, I think, is that Gideon begins to grow in his faith by growing in his knowledge. All right, he begins to grow in his knowledge. God comes down and begins to tell Gideon things about himself that he doesn't recognize as true. Now, often when I read scripture, I will see things in myself that I don't recognize as true. Gideon is called what? A mighty man of valor. This man hiding in the ground. It's kind of incredible, right? Oh, mighty man of valor. I know what mighty men look like. Our church has some mighty men in it. You probably see him in the lobby. Uh, I'm, I'm only going to tell you this because I know it will embarrass him and I love it. But my friend Jake Anderson, he's a mighty man. His three lift total was over 2,800 pounds. Deadlift, bench, and squat. Three lift, 2,800 pounds. My, my other friend, Lance, you would think Lance is a mighty man. He's tall. He was a bodybuilder. Lady, he's single. He's, he's got a mullet, just saying. Lance is a mighty man. You don't think, you don't think like Gideon... Oh, mighty man of valor, Gideon's like looking over his shoulder. Who? Is, he, is there somebody else here? 
But as we learned last week, does God see things with the eyes that we see things? He doesn't. The Lord looks at things very differently than we do. And Gideon hears, oh, mighty man of valor, I have called you. Do I not send you? And Gideon starts to learn. He grows in his knowledge of God, and that helps him to begin to grow in his faith. Now, for us, we grow in our knowledge of God primarily through the reading of God's word. There have been so many believers that have come to faith in Christ and been stunted in their growth simply because we've never developed a habit of ingesting God's word on a regular basis. That's how we grow as believers. God's word tells us who God is. God's word tells us who we are. It tells us how we're meant to operate in the world, what God wants to do in our lives. It's it's the primary meat and milk and vegetables of a healthy, growing knowledge of God is reading God's word. I have a nephew. His name is Easton. I I love Easton. Easton's down in Texas. I think he's watching. So hi, Easton. Uh, Easton, when he was young, I, I played a little trick on him. He was at my house. He, he was frustrating me because he wouldn't eat good food. He just wanted to eat vegetables or, or, or candy instead of vegetables, right? <laughs> I know Easton. He doesn't just want vegetables. He wanted candy. And I said, Easton, if you don't eat good food, you'll never grow tall and strong. And he said something to me like, I don't care. And I said, yeah, but if you only eat candy, then you'll, you'll get fatter and hairier. So you're just going to be short, fat, and hairy your whole life. And that really freaked him out. Man, he's going to be two feet tall and hairy. And I, I thought it was funny, but I never said just kidding. And so Easton believed this for a while. And I, I heard from his, mo- uh, his mother a couple weeks later, you know, uh, about Easton actually believing that. But, but we want to substitute the real thing for something light. You know, we, we'd rather not read God's word, but we'll listen to a podcast or, you know, maybe we'll listen to a worship song you know, yeah, I I read a book one time. No, trust me. Those things can be good. They can bring you calories. They can help, but there is no substitute in growing in our knowledge to the reading of God's word. So if we're going to grow in our faith, grow in our knowledge, we have to read God's word. You can start anywhere. Download the Bible app. There are more plans on there. It is easier than ever. You just need to start. Start in the Psalms, start in the Proverbs, start reading the Gospels. Just start ingesting God's word daily and you'll begin to grow in your knowledge of who he is. The second thing that I see in Gideon's story is really incredible. He says to the angel, he's talking back to an angel, by the way, but he says, what what about all the things that our fathers recounted to us, telling us about how God brought... God brought the people of Israel up out of the land of Egypt. What about all of that? You see, Gideon had been hearing the word of God. He'd been hearing the stories of God preached his whole life. And for us, if we're going to grow in our knowledge, we need to be not just reading God's word, but we need to be hearing God's word as well. It's pretty cool to think that before there was the Bible written down, Gideon is living in a community where they teach him about God. Isn't that cool? Might have been his parents or his grandparents. It might have been the men in his community talking about the God who brought the people of Israel up out of the land of Egypt. The hearing of God's word preached and taught is a powerful thing. I know that I have been impacted in incredible ways 
as men and women have taught God's word. I've learned. I've had my eyes opened. There is no way that, that we as a community should be neglecting the, the teaching of God's word. This happens primarily for us as a church on Sunday mornings. There's a reason why we dedicate the most amount of time that we have here together toward the reading and the teaching of God's word because it's primarily how God begins to shape and change our knowledge of him. We need to read God's word and we need to hear God's word and that will help us to grow in our knowledge of God which will help us to grow in our faith. The second thing that we see as we continue on in the book of Judges is that Gideon begin to grow in his faith as a conviction. Faith as conviction. All right, so we're going to jump down here to verse 16. The Lord says back to Gideon, I'll be with you, and you'll strike the Midianites as one man. And he said to them, if I've now found favor in your eyes, show me a sign that it's you who speak with me. Please don't depart from here until I come to you and I bring out my present and I set it before you. And the angel said, I will stay until you return. What you're seeing here is Gideon is beginning to process the things that the angel is saying to him. And it's going from this head knowledge down, and it's slowly creeping down into his heart. It's slowly creeping down to to action. And Gideon takes his very first step of action when he goes and he prepares an offering. And he sets it before this angel. And immediately the angel touches the tip of his staff to this offering, and it burns up. And Gideon's response is one of serious conviction. You see that happen in just the next few verses over here in verse 22. Gideon perceived that this was the angel of the Lord and he freaks out. Gideon says, alas, oh Lord God, I've now seen the angel of the Lord face to face. This is Gideon saying, I'm going to die. I've seen God. I'm not worthy. I'm sinful. I'm in trouble. This is not okay. I know that I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm not okay to be standing in the presence of the angel of the Lord. Now, he knew about the things of God. He had been taught the things of God, but at this point, he knows. It's gone from a knowledge to a conviction. Can you see that? He took his very first steps of faith when he put that offering out, but then he cries out a confession. I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And that's what happens when our faith moves from knowledge to conviction, is a confession happens. And for us as believers, that's the next step. Many of you stand in here or sit in these these seats, and I am glad that you are here. You're not sure where you stand when it comes to following after Jesus. You don't know exactly what you believe or why you believe it. The truth is, once you know the truth, you need to take a step, a step that, that can be a small step, a step that says, God, I'm asking you to do this. I'm asking, I'm asking, uh, I'm asking you to reward this small amount of faith that I grant to you. But once God has made himself known to you, There should be a point at which you say, I have seen the Lord face to face and I am unworthy. Save me. Save me. 
I repent. I confess, save me. And that's what happens with Gideon. He says, I've seen the Lord, the angel of the Lord face to face. I'm I'm unworthy. I think it's in this moment, by the way, that Gideon is saved. But I love the response. The, The Lord said back to him, peace be to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Three things. Peace to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. And then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord. And he called it, the Lord is peace. And to this day, it still stands at Ophrah, which belongs to the Abizarites. Gideon cries out, I'm not worthy. I confess, I repent. And the angel of the Lord says, peace to you, do not fear, you shall not die. Man, that same thing is available to us today. To any and all who would cry out the name of Jesus, save me, I'm not worthy. He cries back, peace to you, do not fear, you shall not die. I have taken your sins on myself, I have died in your place. Peace is available to, Gideon, peace is available to you. But then what Gideon does is he does something that, that I think many of us fail to do. And this is, this is the part that should be a little bit challenging because Gideon, Gideon then begins to take steps of obedience. We can see that happen in the next passage here in verses 25 through 27 in Judges 6. Gideon is asked by the angel of the Lord after this confession, after he builds an altar and worships, He's asked to take some serious steps of obedience. That night, the Lord says to Gideon, take your father's bull in the second bull, seven years old. Pull down the altar of Baal that your father has. Cut down the Asherah that's beside it and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of the stronghold here with stones laid in due order. Then take a second bull and offer it as a burnt offering with the wood of the Asherah that you shall cut down. So then Gideon took 10 men of his servants and did just as the Lord had told him. But because he was too afraid of his family and the men of the town to do it by day, Gideon did it by night. So the people of Israel are in trouble because they're worshiping Baals, because they're setting up Asherah poles, because they have these false idols. Gideon confesses and he repents. He, he has the conviction that God is God And then God comes to him and asks him to do something very, very difficult. And Gideon is faced with a difficult choice. Do I obey? Or do I just keep walking the same path that I've walked before? For many of us as believers, this is where we stop growing right here. And this is the part in the sermon that should be a little bit challenging for us. Because you should have some introspection. You should be asking yourself some questions here. We get so comfortable walking these smooth paths. We get into these habits in our lives, don't we? That the moment that we come across something in Scripture, or we hear God's Word taught, and we feel this conviction, it's awfully tough to get off of that smooth, well-worn, habitual path in our life and to follow Jesus onto some rough, difficult terrain. I mean, Gideon's so freaked out. He, he, he's not willing to obey in daylight. He's just going to do it at night. I feel that way sometimes. 
But for so many of us, this is where we lose it. We become okay with confessing and repenting of our sins to God, but we don't ever take that next step and go to somebody and share what we're struggling with and ask for help. We become okay with taking a moderate step, but we don't become okay with full obedience. And you might be thinking to yourself, okay, well, well where, where am I supposed to start? What new path am I supposed to be taking? Man, that, that is for each and every one of us. That's an individual thing. But if you're reading God's word and you're hearing God's word preached and you fall under conviction, God's word tells you something about yourself and the Holy Spirit reaches into you and he says, ah, oh, red flag, that's not, that's not right. That's not where I need to be. It's at that moment, that's the thing, that's the place for some of you, you might be reading the Gospels and you might be just, just thinking, oh my goodness, why can I not get this person out of my mind? And God is telling you, yeah, you need to deal with that. You need to, you need to go reach out to that person and talk to them about what happened. For some of you, hey, as you're reading about the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, you might be thinking, man, I've got this person on my mind. That's the person. That's the, that's the one that you're supposed to be going to share the gospel with. And I know that that takes you off this comfortable path. And I know that that's very scary. But there are all sorts of ways in which we need to be uncomfortable if we're going to be growing in our faith. For Gideon, his conviction took him to a place where he actually went on a new path. He took a new road. For you, I don't know what that is. It might be that you finally need to start serving others. It might be that you need to ask your spouse for forgiveness. It might be that you need to actually decide to tithe. Give God the first fruits of your paycheck for the very first time in your life. It might be that you need to share the gospel with your neighbor. It might mean that you need to reach out and make that phone call that you've been dreading for years to this person that you've been holding a grudge against. But you will stop growing at the point at which you stop allowing God to dictate where your steps go. And this is where we mostly stop. We start reading scripture, not because we want to learn what God wants us to do and because we have a desire to obey. We start reading scripture because it makes us feel a little bit better about checking off that box. Well, God, I at least did that. And listen, none of us are immune from this. It doesn't matter if you're eight years old or 18 or 80. If you're not growing in your convictions, that means you're not growing spiritually in the way that God has desired for you to grow. And if we're not growing the way that God desires us to, then we're not walking in that intimate relationship that we could be having with the Lord. Now, I could keep going on this, but I'm, of course, running out of time. I say that every week. The last area that we can be growing is in our confidence. We can be growing in our confidence, faith as confidence. Gideon, as I look through chapters six and seven, I see a man who is growing in confidence. And I want you to read his story this week. You're gonna have to read this at home, but read chapters six and seven. One thing that I notice about Gideon is that he begins to spend a lot of time with God in prayer. He's talking to God. That's a regular part of his life is prayer. 
Now, I want to do a whole series on prayer. God has laid that on my heart. I don't know when it's going to happen, but I want our church to be a church that is praying. I want our church to be a church that knows what God desires to do, and we pray toward that end. Do you know that's the, that is the effective church, don't you? Do you know that the effective church is the one that walks so closely with God that we know exactly what it is that he is working on and trying to do in the world, and then we pray in that direction, and then we work in that direction. And when you work in the direction in which God is working, you can't fail. Now, we know from Scripture some of the things that God wants us to do, but we as a church need to be a church that knows the heart of God through intimate disciplined prayer. And I see that in Gideon. He's praying. He's listening. He hears the voice of God over and over again. And then the last thing that we need to be doing is simply this. It's taking a chance. Man, every once in a while, we got to take a chance, church. If you want to grow in your faith, you have to take a chance. If you want to experience God in new ways, you have to take a chance. I'll never forget, so many of us have experienced this same story Uh, of our child jumping off the diving board for the first time. I'll never forget Cohen, man, white knuckles on the edge, you know, on the rails, and he's walking out about this quickly towards the edge. And then he finally makes it to the edge, and his knees are shaking, and and he, he stands there forever. And I'm down there treading water, and I'm just dying. Come on, I'm losing it. Starting to get worried whether I really can catch him. And eventually... He doesn't so much jump as like fall into my arms, right? And we swim over to the edge and we're high-fiving. And then he walks around and he, he takes that whole trip out again. Just a little quicker this time, you know, still pretty timid. But he gets to the edge and he doesn't hesitate as long and he jumps. And what's the end of the story, right? You got kids that just are sprinting off that diving board, landing right on your head, just karate kicking you in the face. The more that we take a chance and we see that God is faithful to do what God has promised to do, the more your confidence grows. A faith that is healthy and strong needs to be a faith that is growing. We need to be growing in our knowledge of God through the reading and the hearing of God's word. We need to be growing in the convictions in our convictions, which causes us to confess and to repent, to to turn from the ways that we've been walking and to head off in some very uncomfortable directions. And as you do that, as you grow closer to the Lord in intimacy, you're gonna find yourself drawn into moments of prayer. You're gonna find yourself drawn closer and closer to Jesus. And then at some point, at some point, you're gonna have to take a chance. At some point, you're going to have to finally walk over to that neighbor and knock on the door. At some point, you're going to have to fill out that decision form and say, I know I'm scared, but I'm going to be baptized because because that's what God's word says the next step is for me. At some point, at some point, You're going to have to say, hey, I know that God's word says I should be giving him financially the first fruits the very first, and I'm scared. I don't know what's going to happen that month if I do it. At some point, you're going to try it. And you're going to be like that little kid hanging on the edge, wondering if I'm going to be caught or not. But I promise you, 
I promise you that God is who he says he is and he's gonna do everything that he says he's gonna do. He'll catch you. And as you grow in your confidence, you're gonna grow in your faith. God's gonna use you in more ways than you ever thought possible. Your faith is gonna be opened. And I, man, from the day you meet Jesus until the day you die, you're gonna be learning new things about who he is. And it is a wonderful journey. The biggest regrets in my life aren't the chances that I have taken, I promise you this. It's the moments, the, the, the months, sometimes the years of the time where I've told Jesus, no, I'm not willing to take that path. And walking through the roughest terrain in the world with God by my side is better every single day than walking a comfortable path by myself. That's the story of Gideon. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you that you walk by our side, that you will never leave us and forsake us. God, even though they walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we have no reason to fear your rod and your staff. They comfort us. You are with us. You set a table for us in the midst of our enemies, Lord. There is no one that can touch us. There is nothing that could happen to a child of God outside of your knowledge and your providence. So we take comfort in your sovereign protection over your children. Lord, I desperately want your presence in this church. I desperately want Holy Spirit for you to be at work in our lives and in our city. I want to see new life in Christ. I want to see new voices raised up and glorifying their savior. I thank you for the love that you have shown that I do not deserve. I thank you for your grace. And I thank you, Jesus, that all who call upon the name of the Lord can be saved and that your word to us is peace. Do not fear, you shall not die. We love you. We worship you. You are worthy of all glory, honor, power, praise now forevermore. Amen.